show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm writer, filmmaker, and book devourer, Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, actress, filmmaker, and e-reader. This episode, we are giving out tips on getting more reading in and interviewing author and podcaster John Hodgman. But first... What are you reading, Bria? I just finished The Fact of a Body by Alexandria Marzano Lesnovich. Did it ruin you? Yes. It was... Okay... Yes, so the the book is a memoir about this woman getting into law, but also this is major trigger warnings for people. It uh, she also was molested as a child, and then it's a the she tells the story parallel story of this child molester whose case she ends up working on, and his story growing up, and and the story of his case as it goes on, and. It's it's like amazing book. I mean, I feel like people were talking about it before it even came out. Like it was like that much of a amazing book, and it's great. I mean, it's a memoir, so it's this very harrowing. I mean, like I don't know. It's it's very hard to read. I know you said when you read it, you like read it over three months because it was too hard to get through. Yeah, I could only do like a chapter, and I mean, you know how fast I normally read. It took me months to finish because it was just it's so it's an incredible book, but it's so intense. It's brutal, and and. Anyone who has triggers around this kind of thing, I, it is it is very detailed about the case that she is studying. Ricky Langley, I think is his name. And he, well, it's not clear. He's definitely a pedophile and he goes to jail for it. And then he gets out and he kills a little boy. And that's the case that she's on. So it's sort of this parallel life that how strange it is that, like, to see this man as a human and have to deal with these you know, pedophiles and murderers and stuff on this side of things while she like it really affected her younger life it's a dark book man very dark I've been reading a lot of dark books literally I looked at my coffee table I was like what do I have that will not put me in a dark space to read <laughs> oh yeah that is what I should read priest daddy yeah Mallory's telling me to read she's mouthing the words read priest, priest daddy to I me. just re- I just listened to it in, on audio because I had read it last year it's some it'll it'll make you feel better about things what are you reading Mallory I am reading the only harmless great thing by I want to read this I saw when you I was like oh my god I want to read it by Brooke Bolander uh it's Brooke's first book and it is going to wreck you it is uh it's a tour.com novella and it's it's like it's alternate history but it is like uh, first off the writing is amazing and it's sort of like the it's like two intertwining narratives like there's this group of girls in New Jersey they're like factory workers and they're dying of poisoning slowly and then there's this elephant in Coney Island that just got murdered I mean I I you know I get really excited about Coney Island stuff but it's just like it's gonna break your heart but what's fascinating is you just said that and the cover is literally a radiant like a like radioactive a, a radioactive elephant yeah the cover is amazing oh that's cool yeah that sounds like very two very different stories but I'm interested yes and it's very short but it is warning it is going to like stab you directly in the heart in a good way I don't think I can take any more stabs right now yeah you should read Priest Daddy okay it's amazing guys maybe that's what I'm reading next so we're going to take a moment to answer a recommendation request from Ricky Dan over on the Facebook group. And he says, I've just discovered speculative fiction when I picked up The Power by Naomi Alderman, which I love. With that, That's with lots of O's. And I, I also love, which is not written, this is Bria talking. Go. <laughs> Where should I go from here to read novels about what-if scenarios? So, Ricky Dan, I think you need to meet Margaret Atwood. Ricky Dan is the greatest name ever. I know, right? Like, he sounds like a superhero. I, I know. Or like... It's Ricky Dan. <laughs> <laughs> or a guy who like hosts uh, hosts like a game show. Oh yeah, with like a really cool. And now suit. up next we have Ricky Dan hosting this week's mm, Plunkers. What is? I don't know. Plunkers. <laughs> I was trying to get that. Plinko. It is one of those like uh, <laughs> bow ties that spins. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, Ricky, you need to meet Margaret Atwood. I mean, like 
through her books. Now I get mean, her house. I'm sure, get I'm her sure, house. I'm sure <laughs> if you met her, met her, she'd probably be really cool. Um, but Margaret Atwood's really the master of near future, like what if books. But heads up, some of her books are really depressing. They are, you know, near future what if scenarios, and they're exploring, you know, political stuff. So they're not a lot. Some of her books aren't like books that you read on like when you want to be like Bria. You shouldn't be reading a Margaret Atwood <laughs> book right now. <laughs> I've read them all. It doesn't matter. Oh yeah, well, The Handmaid's Tale obviously is like her most popular one right now. But if you don't want to start there, uh, I would check out The Heart Goes Last, which came out a few years ago, and it's it's about a near future scenario where people can agree to spend half their half the year in prison and then half the year free in this awesome house. Yeah, I loved that book. And also, I would say of her books, it's one of the lighter, happier books. So, yeah. Check By the out. end, it's happy. Uh, yeah. I don't want to give away the ending. You but it gets, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, what do you what do you suggest? Okay, so I want to suggest a book that didn't get a lot of buzz, I don't feel like, but it was great. It's a book called Find Me by Laura Vandenberg. Vandenberg. Ooh, I have that, but I haven't read it yet. It's really great. It's about a world in which everyone gets a disease similar to, similar to Alzheimer's, but like these very certain people are immune and they don't know why. And they're, it starts with a woman and she's in a hospital looking out and she's not allowed to leave the hospital because she might get sick. And it's like her story being in this hospital, looking out into like the desolate, empty world outside of the hospital that is now like no one lives in anymore. Yeah, this is a depressing episode. It really is. So the other person I'd like to recommend is Will McIntosh. Uh, he did a book. I'm sure you've heard me talk about Will McIntosh. Yeah. He did a book called Love Minus 80. And he's done a ton of sort of sci-fi. But they're, they're, a bunch of them are sort of near future like weird things happen in the world. But it's not, not like magic ish some of it feels a little magic but not exactly magic but he did this book called love minus 80 which in which a future in which you die if you especially if you die at a young age they'll freeze your body for you and then if someone is like i want to marry that good looking blue haired lady that died they can they can unfreeze you and have a chat with you for like five minutes or something and it's like a speed dating with frozen corpses and then they can unfreeze you pay to have you unfrozen fixed whatever happened to your body like if you were in a car crash or something and then marry you (laughs) It that is, is like my worst nightmare. It's actually like weirdly not as it's a dark book, but not as dark as you would think. Like, oh my it, god, I hate when people hit on me now. I can't even imagine being unfrozen and brought back from the dead to have yeah, to talk to some idiot who cr- thinks my hair is cool. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so check that one out. Check out that author generally. I think he has some really great books. Ugh. You can email us your recommendation requests and all other feedback at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And as always, we want to thank Danielle for running our Facebook group and Christy and Rachel who moderate our Goodreads page. And Reading Glasses is pleased to offer interactive transcripts of the show through Greta. Go to G-R-E-T-T-A dot com slash reading underscore glasses to read and turn your favorite reading glasses moments into clips that you could share out on social media. I saw somebody on Twitter Twitter the other day who was looking for deaf-friendly podcasts and someone tagged us because we are partnered with Greta. So that's great. If you have someone in your life that uh, is looking for podcast transcripts, go and check that out. So before we talk about getting more reading in, we're going to take a quick break. I'm film critic April Wolf and host of the Maximum Fun podcast, Switchblade Sisters. Do you love genre films? Do you love female filmmakers? Do you love discussions on craft? If your answer is yes, you'll love Switchblade Sisters. 
Every episode, I invite one female filmmaker on, and we talk in depth about their fave genre film and how it influenced their own work. So we're talking horror, action, sci-fi, fantasy, bizarro, and exploitation cinema. Mothers, lock up your sons, because the Switchblade sisters are coming for you. Available at MaximumFun.org or wherever you find your podcasts. This week, we're helping you all get more reading in. The number one thing listeners write in and ask is, how do I get more reading done? How do I find more time to read? Sadly, we don't have some sort of magical, time-traveling, technological, speculative fiction (laughs) secret for you. But we do have some great tips that you, as a non-Doctor Who-esque person, can use to get more reading in. But before we do that, guys, we just want to reiterate what we say on the show often. Like, reading isn't a race. You're still a reader if you read one book a week, one book a month, one book a year. One book a lifetime. (laughs) One page a day. (laughs) Oh, that would take like a year. That would only take a year. You could, oh, that's a good call. If you read one page a day of a book, you would read a book in a year. Yeah. And so that's actually not that much to ask. Yeah, that's Like, that's literally like, it takes like a minute to read a page. Now, you're going to forget what this book is about. But (laughs) But you would get it done. Um, So the desire to read more should come from, well, like a desire to read more. Not to get your Goodreads numbers up, not to post more books on Instagram, not to impress that cute person at the bookstore, although I really can't blame you for that. Hey, Mallory, do you know how many, uh, you know, how many books the average person reads in a year? Oh. See, you're going to, I just, when I wrote this question down, I thought, Mallory's really not going to know the answer to this because she's going to be like, I don't know, 300? (laughs) (laughs) Seems low, but maybe 300. (laughs) The average, okay, I'm going to say, oh, really low, 10. Four. What? Four. Okay. Um, There's a study, that was last year, but um, a study in 2014 said that Americans spend about 19 minutes a day reading. That's pretty good. Which is actually kind of a lot, more than I would think. But maybe that includes like news sites. uh, I don't know if it includes Twitter. They spend 166 minutes watching television. To be real, that's me. 43 minutes socializing and communicating and 26 minutes on a computer for leisure, which is actually less than I thought. Yeah, that's a but lot But it's 2014, less. so this is four years ago, so yeah. that probably no- has gone up. Huh. A study found that people in India read the most books of any country in the world. They read over 10 hours per week per, uh, on average per person. Oh, I got to go hang on. India. Isn't that crazy? And about 25% of Americans don't read a single book in a year. Wow. So about a quarter of the American population, they are not reading one page a day. Well, I mean, but there's also a lot of people in America that can't read. That is true, but I think I they would that, think. I, I assume they would people. just do the reading population, huh? Okay. Like adults, like I'm reading adults, and then and some adults can't read also, yeah. I guess. But but of reading adults, you know, it's probably not a very accurate study. I'm just giving you some numbers that I found on the internet. Yeah, this, is, this is interesting to me. <laughs> but more people are reading now, especially in the last couple of years, thanks to smartphones and tablets, because people are reading on their phones more than you think, probably, and probably more than you or I do, because I don't read on my phone that much. I used to read on my phone a lot. I, I believe that. So. If you want to get some more reading in your life, we've got a lot of ways to do that, guys. So audiobooks are, of course, a great way to get reading in when you physically can't look at or hold a book. You know, when you're working out, when you're cleaning the house, when you're in the shower, when you're driving. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people, I know I listen to about 40 billion podcasts every week. (laughs) I think it's uh, 40 billion in one at this point. But if you are trying to get more reading in, I think audiobooks is a great way, especially if you can do the whisper sync thing. Yeah. So you can read a little at home and you're into the book, go get in your car and listen to the same book. And Don't you, go anywhere. Just get in your car. Just get in that car. <laughs> I assume everybody commutes. I don't know why. 
I don't commute. I, no. We don't commute, so <laughs> I, I don't know. know. Yeah. <laughs> I barely leave the house. No, but I do drive. I drive at least like 30 minutes to an hour every day. Oh, wow. For sure. Like, yeah. at least. And so, I mean, if I think about how long is the average audiobook? Uh, I'd say 10 hours. So, right. So, I could finish an audiobook in a week and a half. Huh. Yeah. Right? So, well, speaking of ebooks. Yeah, ebooks is another way. So, the ebook, put an ebook on your smartphone. You can use the Kindle app. You can use iBooks. You can use Libby, which we've talked a lot, about a lot on the show. Or just read a short story from the internet. There's a lot of great websites that post really cool short stories. Tor.com actually has a lot of their, has a lot of short stories yeah. up there. And while you're waiting in line at the grocery store or waiting to pick your kid up or if you're bored at work, I mean, you know you're not working all eight hours. No are way. you working all eight hours in that office job? No, you are not. No way. Read you a story. Be, people are going to write us and be like, I do work all eight hours. Workaholics. So instead of scrolling through social media, you can just start reading on your phone instead. And maybe it'll stop getting you to look at social media, right? Yeah. So I know I've said this on the show a bunch before, but you could try a social media detox once a week. That's what I do. So one day a week, I don't look at Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or whatever the fucking social media I don't know is and we all, I, yeah, we all know you're looking at dog pictures at fucking on Instagram. social media it, fuck it it's porn um <laughs> so instead I pick up my phone and I because I do automatically grab that phone like either and I'm standing somewhere and I look at my phone and I'm like oh I can't open up Instagram today so I will open up my Kindle app and start reading something on Kindle and it's a great way to get in like a little bit of extra reading especially if you're doing like a short story a memoir because it's easier yeah. to remember that kind of stuff so maybe, also on the total other end, maybe you're a hyper-organized, super busy person. Schedule some reading time. Write it in your – I like I honestly do this. I, I have a me – and, me and my partner share like a schedule book and like we write in reading time in the morning. You know, a half hour before bed, a half hour while you're eating breakfast, 20 minutes during your lunch break. If putting it on your to-do list in your daily or in your daily schedule helps, go for it. Does your schedule go by minute by minute? It's hour by hour. Ugh. Too much. <laughs> Too much. <laughs> I got a lot of stuff to do. Um, so, if, and keeping plot the plot of a novel, if you're reading little chunks, might be hard. So maybe try to pick up, like we said, short stories or poetry. That's a really cool way to do poetry collections are a great way to do little bites of reading time, right? And if you're reading a physical book, they're usually smaller. Books of poetry are smaller, easy to fit in your purse or in the center console of your car. Yeah, and also speaking of length, sometimes having a giant book waiting for you is really intimidating and you end up not wanting to pick it up because it's all you can think about. All you can think about is how long it's going to take you to finish. So pick up something smaller. So you could be like an out of sight, out of mind person. Like maybe you just like leave your book in a place that you're not seeing it. You know, leave your book next to a TV, the TV remote, put it on the kitchen table, put it in the bathroom, wherever you know you're going to be spending some time sitting if you get too sleepy at night to read before bed don't leave your book next to the bed put it where you're likely to pick it up yeah where you're like hanging out i know i sit around and like eat my breakfast at a certain place if i put a book right there i'm way more likely to read that than turn on the television yeah what do you do if you're a social person but you also want to read mallory what's what about that reading party <laughs> you guys have heard us talk about it on the show before i want some people to do it and send us some photos hell yeah but i think it's if you are a socialite but you really want to also get reading time in organize a reading party yeah have everyone bring a snack everyone get together or just read you know wear your pajamas eat some eat some food eat some eat some food <laughs> that's a, i mean that sounds like my perfect day so bria how do you get your reading in so I'm a big night reader. Uh, so I do most of my reading at night, which means I probably read for about 15 or 20 minutes every day just before I go to sleep. And I went to graduate school, so I read fast, really fast, because um, <laughs> I had to. And now I've learned that. I don't read some books really fast. If I'm really enjoying them, I kind of like take my time and like 
savor the words a little bit more, you know? Wafting them towards I, wa- your face. I waft the words. <laughs> it's a very weird thing because I do it from a Kindle. Like, I'm just <laughs> wafting that Kindle smell right towards my face. <laughs> but I'm also a library user. So I have library imposed deadlines. And that means if a book is due and I only have three ways, days to read it and I'm only halfway through, I actually just put it on my to do list. So. You know, if this book is due in three days, I know I have 150 pages to read in the next three days. I put on my to-do list, read 50 pages of the book today. And it actually is a great way for me to not feel like I should be doing something else because, like you, I'm self-employed a lot of times or I work from home. And so I feel guilty when I'm sitting around and I'm like, well, I could be reading a script or I could be working on my own stuff or I could be, you know, editing our podcast. And instead I'm like, well, but I do have on my to-do list 50 pages of reading today and that's something I can check off, which I like because I'm a completionist. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm not really a completionist. I just am a to-do list person. (laughs) And so, yeah, I put it onto the to-do list. I think that's a totally legit way to make yourself do more reading. What about you, Mallory? So I get asked this question all the time by people but I swear guys I don't have a time turner I do read pretty fast but honestly the magic secret is that I read a lot this book is the 17th book that I've read this month Jesus I I don't really do anything else though like I don't watch TV except for watching Twin Peaks over and over Uh, I, I don't have kids I work from home almost all of the extra time that isn't working, I spend reading. I read one to five hours a day. Every that day. is so much time. Every single day. I, I make the time for it even when I'm busy because it's the thing that relaxes me the most. When I've had a stressful 12-hour workday, the thing I want to do most is read. I, I also read in all like the little nooks and crannies of my day. Uh, my partner and I read while we have coffee in the morning. We read on all our work breaks. We read at night. We read before bed. When I work out, I have an audiobook on, the same when I shower or fold laundry. My best advice for people for reading more books is just, are Mallory's number one priority. It really is. It's like books, then like health, then like <laughs> <laughs> books, my partner and friends and cats. Mallory, you put yourself at the top. Oh, Come man. on. Have you not learned anything <laughs> from the feminist revolution of the 1990s? <laughs> okay. Maybe. Well, maybe I'm underneath books. But... It's like books, self, <laughs> <laughs> my cats, cats, boyfriends. <laughs> <laughs> It's just like working into your routine. It's like anything else of you want to do. It's like working out, drink more water, like make it a habit. Like and also like read exactly what you want to read. That's the thing is like I always read the book that I want to read. I don't force myself to read books that I'm not interested in because I feel obligated to read them. And I just like it's just a habit for me. Like now like I just automatically read. Like one time I, Alan, my partner was waiting for me to finish a book and he was like waiting upstairs and he was waiting for a really long time and he came down and, and I just finished one book and wasn't paying attention and then just picked one up and started <laughs> another. And he was like, Mary, what are you doing? I'm waiting for you. Like your hands like didn't even know they were doing it. Oh yeah. It's like literally, you know, if you could train yourself, cause this is how I am with social media where I pick up my phone and I open Instagram without thinking that I'm opening Instagram yeah, like I don't I, with books. I don't and that's how your hands are with books yep. if we could all just train our hands to pick up a book instead of an Instagram oh yeah if I was a ghost like I would you you would just see me floating around reading I'd be like the, the librarian you, from Ghostbusters oh yeah that's a good one or yeah. like I think most ghosts like to carry around books like I feel like if that as like a <laughs> Wait, what? like as is it like a trope like there's always a ghost like like there's always like a floating book <laughs> like that's like somehow like creepy like a floating book that's, and that's it's you. Me. That's my goal. That's my ghosts, future goals. Maybe to be a ghost, you have to be into reading because that's like all you can Honestly, really do. Honestly, becoming a go- like a Hogwarts ghost and just reading for the rest of eternity, like that's my heaven. <laughs> that's what I want. Uh, do you get to read new books or you have to read books that have already happened since you died? 
whoa, I don't know. But if you're a poltergeist, you could pick up new ones. Yeah, you got to be pretty strong, though. Yeah. Someone has to, like, believe in you. Is that fairies? Not good. Well, you believe in me when I'm dead, Bria. <laughs> so you can pick up books? Yes. Sure. I, sure, sure, sure. I need this. So you guys can send your tips on reading more to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And before we interview John Hodgman, we're going to take a quick break. Judge John Hodgman ruled in my favor. Judge John Hodgman ruled in my friend's favor. Judge John Hodgman ruled in my favor. I'm Judge John Hodgman. You're hearing the voices of real litigants, real people who have submitted disputes to my internet court at the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I hear their cases, I ask them questions, they're good ones, and then I tell them who's right and who's wrong. Thanks to Judge John Hodgman's ruling, my dad has been forced to retire one of the worst dad jokes of all time. Instead of cutting his own hair with a flobie, my husband has his hair cut professionally. I have to join a community theater group. And my wife has stopped bringing home wild animals. It's the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Find it every Wednesday at MaximumFun.org or wherever you download podcasts. Thanks, Judge John Hodgman. So we're here with the host of the very popular podcast, Judge, Judge John Hodgman, and the very popular recent book, Vacation Land, John Hodgman. Thanks for being yeah, here. Yeah, I'm both of those John Hodgmans. Thank you for having me. So excited to be here. So you just released a memoir called Vacation Land, which is amazing. Can you tell us a little bit about it? So Vacation Land is, it was actually an adaptation of a one-man arguably comedy show that I had been touring with. I had, I had some arguable background in, in doing stand-up, my imitation of stand-up comedy, mostly storytelling. I used to do a lot of weird made-up facts. That's how I got my start writing books. And then on The Daily Show, doing these sort of invented trivia books, like a list of the nine U.S. presidents who secretly had hooks for hands and making up <laughs> stories about how you know, Franklin, Franklin Roosevelt had a hook for a hand, but no, no one ever, it was not, not public knowledge because his, his hook hand was shaped like a wheelchair and other just weird jokes like that, <laughs> absurdism. And that's what I did very happily for almost a decade until my third and final book came out. And I started to, my time on the Daily Show started to sunset a little bit. And, uh, and I was trying to figure out what to do next with my creative life, aside from the Judge John Hodgman podcast, of course. And I, and I was, I realized that the stories that I was telling on stage here in Brooklyn on my weekly show, and then taking on the road were just much more straightforward, personal stories about me as a, not as a resident expert or deranged millionaire, but as an actual, you know, uh, uh, middle-aged uh, white male monster with terrible facial hair and a wife and two human children uh, coping with um, a transition in his life, both from fake facts to truth, but also from the first half of my life to the second, I hope. I mean, I hope that that's how, I hope that I'm, I hit the half point and not, not the last ninth. That would be bad, but we don't know. Living with that kind of uncertainty <laughs> is a little bit of what, what the book is about. So- it seems like you're very busy and you're a parent. This episode is all about how to get more pages in, how to read more, how to yeah. make time for reading. 
Do you have tips? Like, do you, what do you do to get, make time to read? Well, what I discovered in the past couple of years, I'm, I'm, I'm going to turn 47 this year is that, um, uh, my body is changing. I'm going through a, a, a different kind of puberty into decrepitude. And one of the ways that my body is changing is that I wake up every night between one and 3 AM and I am completely awake for two hours, no matter what time I go to bed, no matter how tired I am, no matter what. And then I fall back asleep. And I, for a long time, was tortured by this period of insomnia. But I, I learned two things. One, this is physiologically very normal. And in fact, it's recently been discussed that before there was electricity and before candles were affordable, everybody had two periods of sleep in their cycle. They would go to bed with the sun, more or less, wake up for a couple hours in the middle of the night, be productive and lucid, and then go back to sleep. And that second period of sleep was called second sleep. And there were all these references to quote unquote second sleep in uh, in 16th century plays and, and essays and stuff. And no one knew what they were talking about because we had lost this period of wakefulness in the middle of the night as a culture. Well, my body said, you're getting it back. And, uh, and I realized that rather than being tortured and feeling what's wrong with me, I could, I could use that time to read. And you're right. I had no time to read. I had about, you know, as a, as a uh, arguably busy self-employed person, but mostly busy uh, father of two, you know, uh, my cultural intake had been reduced about to a good 40 minutes uh, in the evening. And that was just being deployed on Netflix. Do you know what I mean? Just the easiest thing I could take in. But now I had these two hours of this sort of semi-lucid dream state. And I had, uh, and, and I discovered, you know, I, I started using uh, uh, Kindle on my iPhone and I discovered that I could flip the script and make, make it white on black and, and bring it down really dim. And it would not disturb my wife. And it also wouldn't it wouldn't program me to stay awake the way if you look at it, stare at blue light, strong blue light in your phone, it does. And I would have two good hours of reading and I was just burning through novels in the middle of the night. And it was the great, this great secret time that I got to enjoy. Now, I'm not saying people should set their alarms for that period of time, but I do think that, you know, if you wake up in the middle of the night, that is to me the perfect time to read a book because not only do you have absolute solitude, but also your brain is in a kind of a kind of lucid dreaming state that you're really receptive to ideas i've discovered anyway you know it's funny mallory and i actually both read in the middle of the night like that that's when we get a, that's when i get a lot of my reading yeah. done as well the old pilgrim reading time. <laughs> yeah so your bo your body is craving it and saying give me give me something give me something else besides these terrible dumb dreams you're having and my dreams by the way you guys my dreams are boring <laughs> like my dreams are are literally me running errands in the neighborhood Nothing <laughs> surreal about it. I once dreamed that I was in a hotel room in the evening in bed watching television. <laughs> that's amazing. That's kind of like, that's a night. I mean, that's a pleasant idea. It's not a nightmare. No, but it's, it's like, ugh. <laughs> Boring. It's like, why am I not home in my own bed? Anyway. So, John... If you had unlimited time, would, is there like an author who's collected works you'd read or a book that you've been meaning to get to forever? You're just waiting for, for you know, retirement or, you know, 
like a time machine? I got I got two that I'm I'm embarrassed that I've not read because I think I would enjoy them, but they're both sort of they're both milestones I think for any reader. One is Moby Dick. I've never read it, hmm. and the other is Infinite Jest. Never read it. I tried to read Infinite Jest, and I love David Foster Wallace's essays so much. Um, but this particular book, which became a real touchstone in the late nineties for people of my age was one I had difficulty getting into in part because of all of the tennis, uh, uh, uh content. <laughs> I, I, I sort of, I, I reflexively recoiled from any sports material, but, uh, but then I gave it, I did give it a try a couple of years ago and, and. You know, it, it's dense. I'm sure if I pushed my way through, I would get through it. But I kind of feel like that's one that I would like to get under my belt. You know, my wife, who teaches high school here in New York City at a public uh, high school, you know, made a um, made a decision a couple of years ago to really dig in and read some of the capital GW great works. And mm-hmm. I really admire her for it. Like she plowed through Middlemarch. And I can't remember the other one where she really, it was like, you know, big, thick, heavy, in all senses of the word, works of great literature. And a lot of those things had missed me when I was in high school because I went to an alternative high school. Uh, uh, Within my main high school, there was sort of a a hippie-inspired alternative school program called School Within a School. And up in SWS, we didn't, we didn't read uh, Huckleberry Finn. We read Hundred Years of Solitude twice, <laughs> <laughs> and so I felt a great deal of shame for having missed a lot of the great works. Um, but then, around the time that she made, I think there was, you know, the decision to to double down and read them. I kind of made the decision to uh, not no longer think of reading as homework. There was something left over, I think, from the time that I worked in the book publishing industry and was just reading terrible manuscripts all day long. That re- the, the fun of reading really went away and it started to feel like work. And I decided to, to re- re- forgive myself and just read whatever dumb thing struck my fancy. So over the past couple of years, I've been really delving into genre crime fiction, particularly mm-hmm. the the series of books by... Donald Westlake writing under the name Richard Stark about the, a thief called Parker. He wrote 22 of them and they're like total, total candy, but also incredibly well-written, really readable stuff. I've really been digging into Stephen King, which I missed when I was in high school because I was too pretentious to read Stephen King. <laughs> Stephen King. Um, and, uh, and so I, and, and, and then because I had the opportunity to, uh, to host um, the uh, Nebula Awards for science fiction and fantasy a couple of years ago, I started digging into more contemporary science fiction and fantasy. I hadn't read science fiction and fantasy meaningfully since I was a you know a teenager, and I hadn't understood how completely the the landscape had changed and how much more imaginative and inclusive contemporary science fiction and fantasy is. So that's how I got into Anne Leckie. I mentioned her. I read, I read, read her book uh, *Provenance* that just came out. But before that, I plowed through her her trilogy, 
the, the ancillary justice trilogy, which is an amazing science fiction novel, um, about, uh, civilization and about gender and about, uh, AI, uh, uh, politics. It's like, and it's also fun as hell. It's great. And Nora Jemison, NK Jemison's broken earth trilogy and Ken Liu's the grace of Kings. These, these books were total in the past couple of years, a total revelations to me that, you know, you could read in, in genre and it wouldn't be sort of dumb and pandering the way I had remembered it being and instead be challenging and also incredibly fun and incredibly thought provoking, incredibly beautifully written. So that's what I've been into. Awesome. So one um, last question we always like to ask our guests, uh, what book do you like to gift to people? Yeah, I, you know, I, I have a kind of a stock answer and I've talked about it on Judge John Hodgman. So I'll just get through that real quick and just say our animal friends at Maple Hill Farm is a children's book by Allison Martin Provinson. It was written in the 70s about the animals on their actual farm in Vermont. Alice uh, Martin Provinson passed away. Alice Provinson is still alive. I think she's 101. They're beautifully illustrated, but they're these beautifully frank little portraits of all these animals that they love, but they're also farm animals. They are there for work or for food, and they are not, um, they're, they're not, uh, how should I put it? Uh, they're, they're not sentimental about that. And it's a, mm. it's a, and so you feel all of their affection and you feel their thanks, but you also have a good laugh when they basically say that all geese are assholes. Cause if you've ever yeah. encountered geese in rural uh, Western Massachusetts, for example, you know that the geese would chase you and they're jerks and they really deserve the fate that, that welcomes them eventually. But, um, uh, and, and for this reason, that book is a little bit controversial because you'll see some Amazon reviews and you know, sort of parents will say, this is not appropriate. They talk about animals dying. And it's like, yeah, that's why it is appropriate. It's great. It's great <laughs> for kids. Why do, you, why do you get pets for kids? To entertain them for a while and then to teach them about the impermanence of life eventually. But, <laughs> but in terms of a, a book, a novel that I would buy for another person, um, well, so I just, I just bought Nettie, Okorafor, I, I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Her book, Who Fears Death, uh, for my daughter, who's turning 16 today, because she is a voracious reader. I, wa I want to read it, but I bought it for her because I knew she would love it, and I hope she'll loan it back to me. <laughs> That's a good strategy. Yeah. Um, well, where can we find you online if people are looking to get more John Hodgman? If people are looking? If. Yeah. <laughs> I when think they are because, because <laughs> people are looking need it so uh first of all uh, uh if you if you have some space in your pod catching device uh you can go over to the judge john hodgman page on maximumfun.org and subscribe to the judge john hodgman podcast which i make each and every week with our friend jesse thorne um i i am very active on instagram and twitter on twitter i'm at hodgman h-o-d-g-m-a-n on Instagram, I am John Hodgman, J-O-H-N-H-O-D-G-M-A-N, no space, no underscore, because I'm not a monster. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you very much, and uh, really a pleasure to speak to you guys. Thanks.
So now we're going to check out some book tech advances and bookish technology. Uh, after the episode where we talked about purse books, lots of you guys emailed in about various brands of book pouches. So we decided to try some out. <laughs> and by we, nerds. I mean, I, mean me. nerds. I went out, I immediately went out and bought a couple for me and Bria because I'm crazy. Uh, so we decided to try out book bows. That's, you know, B-E-A-U-S. Like your bow, like an old timey word for a boyfriend. Which for, I mean, for me, that's basically what my books are. <laughs> so they, and they have a range of sizes from like mini all the way to hardcover size you decide to go steady with a book yeah man i mean you go to the dance with a book like we said in the last episode if you want to be my lover you gotta get with my library this is this is very entwined for me and they're all around twenty dollars the book books they're all about twenty dollars yeah wow so what did you what did you think of these bria i will say i didn't realize they were twenty dollars first of all but i will say pretty damn cute i liked them i liked how they were soft I like the designs. The designs were kind of, you've got, did you get two kind of gothy ones on purpose? Of or? course. Oh, that's okay. for us. They aren't all like gothy. No, there's like, there's like normal people ones, oh, but oh. I got the skull and then the spider webby ones for us. Yeah, it's cute. I really like it. I don't know if I need one, although I have destroyed a couple Kindles. Some people may recall the great melted chocolate incident of last year mm. and the Kindle plug. That was an issue. So maybe I do need one of these. Take, I'll take like, a moment of silence for the, for the great melted chocolate <laughs> incident. <laughs> But um, I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, maybe I do need one. I, I don't know. I, for travel, I think I definitely do because that's when, you know, things spill in your purse, things happen or whatever. But on a day-to-day basis, it would be hard for me to also put this in my purse. It feels like another – like, it feels like an additional task. Like, <laughs> here's my book. Here's my Kindle. But also put it in this thing and then put that in the purse. And that's just probably not going to happen. Because I'm not that organized. I try to be, <laughs> but I'm just like, I'm not. And $20 seems like a lot, but I guess if you're protecting like a couple hundred dollar Kindle, yeah, that's pretty good. But you had the book one, not the yes. Kindle one. Tell me about that. I got the midsize one. So it's like trade paperback size. And you could obviously you can fit a mass market in there too, but you can't fit a hardcover because I tried to this morning. And of course, I got the spiderwebby moth gothy print. It's wicked nice. I, I love it. It's like, it's thick and it's really padded uh, and it has a little elastic band that like hooks around a big button that keeps it closed. I would definitely keep using this. I would I, I like this because I use tote bags. Yeah. Like when I tried to put it in my regular smaller purse, it did felt feel a little cumbersome. But as you you and I are both big tote users. Yeah. So if you're in a tote bag, if you're you have a giant tote and it's like filled with snacks and pencils and stuff, like this is really great for that. It isn't waterproof, I will say that, but it does protect it really well. It depends on the size of your book. Are uh, the waterproof ones kind of more expensive? I don't think they. Ha- this book bows. Well, there's no waterproof ones. Don't have waterproof. Because ones. a lot of times the problem is I put my water bottle on my bag and it leaks pretty much without fail. <laughs> <laughs> but you still carry your water bottle Yet around. Yeah, I still with- continue to put it into my bag. Maybe we should get a case for your water bottle. I mean, that would be the smarter. <laughs> <laughs> but Bria's just gonna waterproof her bars. entire purse. Maybe it's I'll just put my chocolate bars in the book bow, and then I won't have to worry about it getting <laughs> that's what on I'm anything. Saying. I mean, maybe we need to reorganize here. It's very cute, like you said. Twenty bucks. I think it's a perfect. This is a thing that you should gift to somebody. Oh, that's cool. Uh, this would be a good gift for someone. Like I would, because you know, obviously, I bought it for us because we ha- we run a podcast about books. Sure. But I would probably hesitate to buy it for myself. But I would definitely get. It's a great gift for somebody. Uh, and it depends. It depends on your the size of your purse. You know. Yeah, especially if they travel a lot. I feel like it's a good. I mean, it's basically just like a com- a soft computer case. Like, yeah, that's kind of what it looks like. Yeah, but for but book size. But I I really like it. I'm going to continue using it, especially you know for my my big disgusting tote that's filled with cat hair and like weird crumbs i'd like to see if people have these and they're using them send them send us a photo of them because i want to know what other covers look like that people are actually buying yeah there's a bunch of different brands out there we oh. got we got a bunch of emails you guys feel very strongly about book they pouches. love them yeah 
Alrighty. It's very intense. So you guys can always email us uh, book tech that you want us to test out at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And you can check out our Reading Glasses Amazon wish list if you want to get us a gift or get some have us test out something for the show. There's a link to it in the show notes. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. We really love it. It helps us to find more readers. And we're getting up there in the in the numbers, which is really exciting. We are pleased to offer interactive transcripts of the show through Greta. Go to G-R-E-T-T-A dot com slash reading underscore glasses to read and turn your favorite reading glasses moments into clips that you can share online. You can always email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast, on Instagram at readingglassespodcast, on Litzy at readingglasses, and that is a lot of places, so we're going to quit listing them. <laughs> and you can always follow along on our bookish adventures using the general hashtag readingglasses. Thanks for listening, and thanks, thanks for reading. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.